want apple juice. Lucas wants apple juice. I know, I heard him can say I that. Can I have apple juice? Yeah, you can have apple juice. Can I have soda? Yes, you can have soda. Can I press that button? No, you can't press that button. Why? Because that's going to play the theme song. I'm not ready to start Click. the pot. What is up, guys? James Gutman here on High Pod. I'm Dad. Welcome back to another edition of the show. It is Friday. It is, uh, at this point, May 13th. Holy God, I just realized that when I said it out loud. Happy Friday the 13th. Watch terrifying movies today. It is the midst of 2022. It is episode 123. Thank you for finding me anywhere. Whether you found me in any of the streaming services, any of the podcasting places online, like, subscribe, hit the bell, hit your friends, hit it all. Hit it! Uh, let somebody know about it. This is the best kept secret in podcasting because I barely promote this thing. I don't know why. Um, just always kind of felt like a labor of love. I know the blog, it's a little bit more advertising love. Even the blog, I don't really push too much. But overall, definitely one of these things that I love doing. I do it out of pure enjoyment. So please tell somebody if you like it, let them know, you know, hey, this guy's not so crazy. <laughs> it's not sure though. I'm a, little, I'm a little crazy. Thank you though for coming here today. Uh, and for those of you guys who also don't know, go to highblogomdad.com. Monday, Wednesday, brand new blogs. Been doing it since 2017. Love doing that. Writing about my kids, mental health, heart health, uh, health in general, autism, autism awareness, acceptance, appreciation, all sorts of stuff. Fun to talk about. And also follow me on social media all over the place at Hi James Gutman, whether you're on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, you can find a lot of my stuff there. Hi James Gutman, H-I. Hi. James Gutman. Well, hello, you. Yeah, man, I'm uh, I'm in a good mood. I've been in kind of a good mood for the last few weeks, which is, you know, up, down, all around. As you guys know, I, I have my, my peaks. I have my valleys. And right now, I kind of feel like I'm in a peak. I feel good. I feel happy. I feel energetic. I think one of the things that I've learned about myself and about the world in general is that life is about handling frustration. For me, at least. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I feel that like almost every single thing that I've had to deal with centers around frustration. It centers around handling things that maybe should be a little smoother. If I had my druthers, as they say, if it was one of those things where if I could control this situation, I would do this. I would be, you know, working in this job. I would be, you know, over here talking to these people. I would be in this situation. I would be going to this thing. And you're not. And the reason why is because life is not the kind of thing that you yourself decide what happens and what doesn't happen. You are at the mercy of the world around you. So there are people there to tell you, no, no, we're not going to do it this way. And you're like, but I, I want to do that. No, no. You can apply to jobs where you are qualified across the board and get nothing back but a form letter. Sorry. They don't tell you why. There's none of that stuff anymore. And what's even worse now is I feel like not only with jobs, but any type of opportunities back in the day in the 70s, 80s, 90s, if you wanted to get, say, a book deal, if you wanted to get work, if you wanted to get something done, you had to sit down, you had to break out the typewriter and, and you have to like send over the letter and put it in the mail and go through the whole nine yards. And if they wrote back to you, then they had to go to the mail. So everybody was doing all this extra work just to communicate. 
So the people who applied really wanted to apply, and the people who responded really wanted to respond. But now it's, it's just the internet. Control C, Control V. A million people applied to this job. Like, oh my god, tons of stuff. Um, and I realized that too. I think it's funny because I think we've all gone through the point where we applied for jobs in our lives. Uh, and it wasn't until a few years ago where I was handling incoming resumes, and I've, you know, ever since I became like an editor, uh, I was running at one point a website many years ago. And I was getting incoming resumes. And here's what blows my mind completely is that when I used to apply to jobs, I would like go all out for this thing, man. I would come out and I would write the best cover letter. Dear sir, and I love your company. Try to fit the company name into the cover letter. And I go back to the resume and make sure I use the right language. And like, you know, I, I didn't manage a team. Like I oversaw the development of the content, whatever. All this stuff, all this garbage we did. And I swear on my life, when I was getting resumes in, I had people that wouldn't send a cover letter. I had resumes that were like 12 sentences. I like to do work. I like to write on this paper. I'm like, what? You get thing at the bottom, you know? Let me know when you're writing back to me. I'm like, how is this? This is how people apply to jobs. I had one guy. I remember I worked at this company. It was a power tool company. And they were like, yeah, this guy is coming in for an interview. Um, you know, just gather all his stuff, get everything ready. They had approved this guy for an interview. So I went. And I looked up his social media that he had on his resume. He had his social media. And when I went to it, his profile picture was him blowing out pot smoke. He had a, a joint and there's all this smoke in the air and he's looking at the camera. I'm like, this is the guy coming in for the interview. They're like, yeah, we already told him. I'm like, what? You know, so it's life is a crapshoot. Life is, I don't know. Sometimes you have to just sit back, put your hands up and just accept it. And that's that old quote about God, give me the grace to accept the things I cannot change and all that stuff. Because it's true. There's some things that you can't change. People are going to make decisions that you don't agree with. They're going to explain to you their reasons. And you're not going to agree with that. Things are going to happen to you. Life is going to change. You're going to be prepared to go to the next level of something. And next thing you know, something's going to come and pull the rug out from under you. And I'm talking to you like this as if you haven't experienced it. If you are listening to this, you've experienced it. You've gone through life dealing with these issues, dealing with problems like this because it's common. It's just the way it is. And I'm finding the older I get, the more I'm trying to handle my own mental health because I tend to get a little bit in my own head too. Um, sometimes you just got to be like, eh whatever, you know? And there's lots of things like that. I'll tell you a story a couple of years ago. I had, there was a job that I was working to get and it would have been a great job. I wanted this job so badly. And I interviewed, I interviewed the next person until eventually I got to this woman. Like she makes the decisions. She's the lady. You like, she likes you. You're good. And I interviewed with this lady and she was like this high up woman, loved me. Everything went great. I'm like, this is fantastic. We're going to be great. So after it's over to the point where, and you have those interviews sometimes where, you know, you're like, this is going to be good because she's like, yeah, you'll work with Bill. You're going to manage this person and manage that person. Tell me everything I'm supposed to do. And I'm like, this is great. This is going to be an awesome thing to do, you know? And then I didn't hear anything for like a week, two weeks, three. I'm like, what the hell's going on? I'm following her on Twitter, you know, trying to figure out like what is happening here? Long story short, she quit right after I interviewed and they decided when she quit that they no longer needed the position underneath her. They were just going to fill her position with someone else and have them handle it. And it wasn't until like I wrote like three times, like, dude, what's going on? What are we doing here? They, they, she told me, you know, to call them. 
like, oh, yeah, she quit. And I'm like, oh, all right. So are you guys still doing the position? No, we're going to, you know, move somebody over from the other department. Great. We'll let you know. Great. Fantastic. That's frustration. Things like that are frustrating. Whether it's even interpersonal relationships. We've all had friends like that. That one friend who comes to you complaining about their breakup and, oh, my God, how could she do this to me? I hate her. Listen, look at me. I hate her, man. Never going to talk to her again. I hate it. I hate her. And then like a week later, they're like going out and he comes over to you and he's like, yo, why did you talk so much trash about my girlfriend? I'd be like, dude, you came to me, told me you hated her. You told me that she, you know, she pooped in your bed. I don't know. It's Johnny Depp reference. But it's what ends up happening is we all live our lives and we all float through the world and we all expect good things to happen. We all want good things to happen. And sometimes even if you set up good things, life happens to you. I mean, there's always that thing about, you know, drinking and driving, about how even if you don't drink and drive, you're still at risk of people who drink and drive. And I feel like that is the perfect metaphor for life. Because in life, you could be 100% correct in everything you do. Your decisions can make total sense. You could find somebody that you want to spend the rest of your life with and be like, this is perfect. This is what we should be doing. This is who I should be with. And that person could be like, yes, we should be together. But nah. And you're like, wait, uh, how about what? You know? And what do you do? You can't make anybody do anything. It's frustration. And you have to deal with it. Uh, And the older I get, the more I'm realizing that. And it's positive in many ways. Now, don't get me wrong. I've had some frustrating moments. I've learned to put that away. Case in point, man. And without going into details, I got divorced two years ago. Spent many years trying to repair any issues that were existing. And I think, to both our credits, there were things that were fixed and things that were corrected. But there were things that I wanted to fix that were unfixable because I wasn't the only one involved in the situation. And I'm sure the other party... She had things that she wanted to fix that I wasn't fix. I don't know. I mean, I'm perfect, as you guys know. I mean, come on. What are we talking about here? But regardless, any interpersonal relationship you have, there's going to be things that the person you're with wants to do that you won't allow. There's things that you want to do that they won't allow. And I think that's part of maturity. And I think that's part of growing. I think that's part of accepting things, um, whether it's professional or personal. And I'm learning, man. I really am. This has been a year of growth. This has been a year of learning. Uh, And it's funny too, because I feel like I telegraphed this. I wrote in January as the New Year's article, uh, I wrote about the year after. This is the year after. Last year was a rebuilding year. It was moving out of the house, getting divorced, getting myself together. And this is the year where I'm starting to like, okay, now who am I? What do I do How do I succeed? How do I move forward? And I'm learning how to do that. And a big part of that is accepting frustration, uh, not allowing myself to become too frustrated with issues that are happening, just accepting things, letting it go, you know? And what's crazy is that you hear this and you think to yourself, James, this is stupid. Everybody says to do that. Of course you let things go. You don't bother with it. Not me. When I was a kid, I remember there was a comic book store. I think it still exists out in Lindenhurst. Here's a little pop for them. Uh, it's called Bailey's Comics. It's a cute name, right? It was uh, like Haley's Comet, Bailey's Comics. We used to go there and I remember I was outside. This is such a stupid story. I was like a middle school and there was like a homeless lady or something. She's yelling at everybody and my bike was on the ground and she started yelling at me about my bike being on the ground. 
And I was like, so I go inside to the comic book store and the guy who ran the store, uh, who was really nice to all of us, wasn't weird or anything. He would you know, talk to us, make conversation, whatever. And I wasn't even into comic books. I would just go hang out. I knew people who worked there. To this day, I don't really, I think I've read two comic books in my life. And I remember he's like, what's the matter? And I'm like, the lady outside was yelling at me about my bike. And he's like, you know what I'm going to tell you, right? And I'm like, I have no idea what you're going to tell me. And he's like, don't sweat the small stuff. And I remember his delivery was so matter of fact. And it's something that I had heard over and over again. But I remember even then being like, eh, you can't tell people not to do that. Like, there's nothing more frustrating than somebody telling you to relax, calm down. Why do you care? That was always a big one that people would do. I would get upset about somebody saying something. People would like, why do you even care? And I'm like, I don't know, because who the F is that, man? Why would, he, why would I allow somebody else to say terrible things about me? That's why I care. So I dealt with this, and I've written blogs about it from years ago, about how annoying it is when people say that to you. Don't, don't let it bother you. You let them win if it bothers you. That always bothered me because I always felt like that was, in many ways, blaming the victim. Like, oh, it's my fault that I got offended by somebody who's being offensive? What? You know? But that's life, and that's how it goes. So it took until now really to learn that um, a lot of the issues that I've had problems with, a lot of the things that I've tried to deal with all come down to frustration. It all comes down to how you handle it, and it all comes down to what you do. And I'm learning not to do that. I'm learning, yeah, there are definitely going to be times where I'm not happy. There's going to be times where I wish situations were different. Um, but in the end, you got to you gotta move on. You got to do what you do. You know, you, you get divorced, you get a new job, you do different things that you have to do in order to feel better about yourself, in order to, to move on, in order to be in a good place. So this year, I'm in a good place. Um, and a big part of that is, you know, frustration, kind of getting rid of that, you know, frustrated, incorporated, little soul asylum reference. <laughs> so yeah, that is, uh, that is definitely the, uh, the mantra of the year. So yeah, don't be frustrated. Don't let it get to you and you will be okay. And that's, that's part of what I wrote about this week. Man, I did two blogs this week, as you guys know, Monday, Wednesday, highblogomdad.com. I do tons of stuff over there. And uh, this week I had two pieces. And one of them is a little bit about frustration. And it was about knowing when my nonverbal son is being naughty and not confused. And that's not the exact title of it. Uh, Hang on. See, it's frustrating. I don't remember what the title was. So let me look it up because I'm always constantly doing this. It was actually um, when my nonverbal son is naughty, not confused. It's the exact same freaking thing. I don't know why I had to look it up. Either way, this was a story about Lucas. He's my son. He's nonverbal. He has autism. And there are times when Lucas is confused and he doesn't understand what I'm asking of him. He has pretty good receptive language, which is the ability to understand incoming words as opposed to saying words. He's good with that to an extent. There are definitely times where he doesn't understand everything. And we've dealt with that. You turn to him, I go, Lucas, can you, can you give me the remote? And I'll point to the remote. And he goes back into the living room and he comes back with a pillow. I go, no, 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 the remote. And he comes back and he hands me a video game controller. or He hands me a, you know, something else. And we let that go because that's, he's confused. He doesn't understand what that word means. I understand. I don't get mad at him. I don't get frustrated with him. I don't get angry with him. I actually never did. I think that's something that we always used to, we kind of giggle. There was, in the beginning, I remember teaching him certain words. We would have him just keep going back. He was in the living room and me and my daughter kept sending him back to get the remote control. And he kept going back in and bringing us toys and bringing us books until he found the remote. And then when he found it, we clapped, we hugged him. It was a beautiful thing. Uh, try to help him understand. And we've dealt, we've dealt with that. He's gone into the kitchen and he's brought me back boxes of stovetop stuffing just because it was food in the pantry and he wanted to eat. I'm like, dude, you don't eat this. 
you know, and I know this is a common thing. I know other people who do it. His buddy Christian does it, brings, uh, brings his mom, Laura, and this, this food that he doesn't eat. She's like, you're not going to eat this. And his hands are a box of something from the pantry. Lucas does the same thing. It's, it's adorable. You don't get mad. You don't get frustrated. However, there are times when Lucas is naughty and they exist. And I think a lot of times people hear nonverbal, they hear autism, and they assume that he just doesn't understand anything. Like all of his issues all come down to this lack of understanding. He just doesn't get it. He gets it sometimes. And I talked about sitting at a table with him and him seeing a bag of bread across the kitchen. Now, Lucas loves carbs. He's the carb man. And he'll see it and he'll take my hand and he'll physically throw my hand towards the bread, right? Just in the direction of it. And I'm like, no, 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 Lucas, no, no bread. I turn into Ruby from Max and Ruby. Like, no, Max, like, no, there's no bread. You just ate, you just ate tons of food. You know, again, throws my hand at it. No, no food. And here's when he does his thing. He will get up from the table and start to walk away. And I go, where are you going? And I'll slowly walk away too. Where are you going? And he'll lock eyes with me and then start walking as he stares at me. Most times backwards. He begins walking backwards towards the bread without breaking his gaze on me. And I'm like, dude, no. No, come back, come back. No, and he's walking slowly backwards towards it. Then he gets to the bread. Now, I'm not one of these like, don't let me get up kind of guys, but with him, I try not to run up and grab the bread and stop him because I want him to learn self-control. I want him to learn to learn how to do it. So I start to kind of like move up a little bit. I'm like, come back. And he's, now he's in front of the bag of bread. Come back here now. And he will go to town, still eye contact, freaking out, trying to tear the bag open relentlessly ripping into this. I'm like, what are you doing? Pull the bag open. Don't, don't, don't shoot. And now I'm on one leg. Don't, don't eat that. One bad piece in his mouth, right into his mouth. Next thing I know, he's shoving pieces of bread into his mouth. I come running over. I grab the bread out of his hand. And then he does the thing that he always does in this situation. He hunches over. He puts his hands like halfway up in the air and he freezes in place. And I stare at him. I'm like, dude, you're not invisible. I see you. I don't know why you do. I've always said, I'm like, I think he thinks he's invisible when he does this movement, but that's how he knows. He knows he's not supposed to do it. Kids, kids can be naughty. People can be naughty. It doesn't matter if you have autism, if you're nonverbal, it doesn't matter how much you understand or how little you understand, you know, when you want something and you know to get it. The only thing that I think affects his behavior in terms of autism and this type of stuff is that he doesn't really understand risk versus reward, Right. I've had times where I've had the iPad from him. This has been years ago when he was little. And, you know, you take the iPad away. No more iPad today. You've had the iPad a lot today. No more iPad. And he wants it. And he's pulling at it. And he's pushing for his finger to reach it. And he dives through the air just to grab it from me so he can press a button for like three seconds knowing I'm going to take it back from him. And I'm like, is it worth it? Is it worth it to fling yourself at me to press one button before I take it back? He didn't care. He just... He wants to press that button. He can't control his impulses to do it. Uh, so in that sense, maybe a little bit might be that, but it's not about lack of understanding. Definitely things that he understands. Um, and yeah, this is, this is one of those stories where it's talking about frustration. Sometimes it's frustrating to tell people these stories, and it's the reason why I began the blog to begin with. I could tell this story face-to-face to somebody who isn't familiar with autism, and they will do the thing that I hate. They will make that facing out. Oh, because they think that I'm telling them a story about my son's lack of understanding. Oh, he doesn't understand. He shouldn't eat the bread. Oh, no, no, no. He understands he, he shouldn't eat the bread. He, he wants it, and he's a jerk. That, 
That's the, that's the story here. But it's hard to explain these stories to people because they always make that immediate jump to the fact that since he's nonverbal, since he has autism, he just doesn't get it. He gets it. Uh, and doing the podcast, doing the blog, it allows me the chance to get these stories out without being interrupted by like a sad, oh, that's so sad. He doesn't get it. He gets it. Totally gets it. So that was on Monday. Uh, that was a story about the frustration on that. Now on Wednesday, I wrote about both my kids. And it's called, It's Easy Because I Know They Love Me. This is a story really just about taking care of my kids, the things I do for them, and the fact that I know that they love me and they appreciate the things that I do in their own way. I mean, they're kids. So it's very rare. Nobody's ever like, thanks, dad, for dinner. Nobody really thanks you for dinner. Uh, But I know that they care about me. I know that they love me. I know that when I'm upset about something, I've had, you know, my daughter's always been cool like that. She's like, you're right. I'm like, yeah, all right. You know, in fact, because I've had times where I'm not really that great. I'm like, yeah, Dylan, you know, and she's cool like that. But I've lived a life where I've interacted with people who didn't love me. And I've interacted with people who didn't care about me, who take advantage of that good-natured desire to help and to do things for people. And once you live your life like that, once you've been through enough situations where you've done things for people who could not care less about you, it really fundamentally changes how it feels when you do it for people who do care about you. And now I'm trying, that's what I'm trying to do going forward. I'm trying to do good things for people who deserve the good things and not just doing good things because there's an obligation or a feeling that I should. Um, Again, and I think it kind of ties back to the main theme here today. It ties back to frustration and handling frustration. And I think that this was a piece that kind of kicked off, you know, that train of thought this week. So definitely something I've been thinking about, definitely something that's been in my head and something that I was glad to share with you guys. Because just like that story about my son and just like being able to get these stories out, it has given me the opportunity to really kind of talk out loud. You know, and I encourage everybody to do that. If you don't have a podcast or a blog or something like that, get your stories out, tell people things, speak out loud. Even if you're just talking in the shower, it feels good to be able to explain things and to get your thoughts together. And that's what this blog has done for me. That's what the podcast has done for me. And I appreciate all of you guys listening. That's what you've done for me. So thank you. It has been my saving grace. It has been my happy place. And it has been my, what? Sanity. That's right. My moment of sanity. Hi, Pod. This is your moment of sanity. This week's moment of sanity is comforting. Uh, Although maybe not the best thing in the world, but still comforting. Makes me feel a little bit better. As you guys know, I've been talking about my son dealing with transitions, right? And one of the transitions that we've been having a problem with is picking him up from school. I pick him up from school and he cries when I try to get him. There was one day, all right, truth be told, more than one day where he sees me and he lays down on the floor in the school. I started picking him up early. He was still laying down. I tried to stop picking him up early because of that. Uh, And all I would see is his foot just on the ground. He goes, ah, he lays down. I'm like, are you kidding me? What are you doing? Then we get out to the car. We're literally three feet from the school. He's kissing me and hugging me. I'm like, dude, why do you do this to me? Why are you doing this to me? So to make myself feel better, I talked about transitions. I wrote a blog about it. I'm like, it must be transitions. But there was a part of me that's like, hmm, I don't know. Maybe it's me. Maybe he didn't like me. He has so much fun in school. I don't give him enough stuff at home. He wants to eat more. He loves to eat. He wants more food. I don't give him enough food. I don't do these things for him. All these things I don't do for him. Blame myself. Beat myself up but still latched on to transitions. That was a thing. Well, these last few days, bringing him to school in the morning has taken a turn. 
because he doesn't want to let me go in the morning, which I don't know, man. Like we pull up to the school, we start walking over to the school and he'll hug me and he grasps onto me with both arms in this huge hug. And I'm like, come on, buddy, let's go. And as soon as I start to try to let him go, he takes his right arm, he has his left arm around my back, he takes his right arm and he puts it around my shoulder and he squeezes me. And if I try to move, he'll tap me with his right hand and keep holding on to me. And it isn't until his teacher comes over, specifically, the aide, the aide came over and he like swatted at her. I'm like, dude, don't swat at people, stop. And he's like, Ugh. and I'm like, he really wanted to be with me. This is after picking him up in the afternoon where he cries when he sees my face. Um, and he eventually goes in with the teacher. So I don't know, man, that is sanity, right? That's, I mean, that sounds awful when I say that, like, you know, that I'm happy that my kid is swatting at this age or doesn't want to go into the school. But after all this time of dealing with him, crying when he sees me in the afternoon, there is a good feeling to knowing that he does it in the morning because finally, after all this time, I could genuinely say, yes, his transitions are difficult. It's not me. It's not what he's going through. It's just him going from one place to the other. For some reason, moving from the car to the school, from the school back to the car again, gives him issues. And it's good, man. I've talked to his teacher about this. We talked about it, you know, just yesterday morning about, you know, maybe what we'll start to do is to show him pictures of places he's going before he goes there. There's things called social stories. He doesn't usually care about them, but maybe that's a good use of them. Social stories are things that they do for nonverbal kids where they'll hold up pictures of things uh, in order of how you're supposed to do them or where you're going. You're going bowling. Here's a picture of bowling. This is where we're going. And the kid sees it and they know you're going bowling. Uh, or, you know, if you're doing a routine, you know, brush your teeth. This is how you do it. You brush, you wash, and there's pictures of somebody doing all these things. Lucas never cared about that stuff. He was never really into social stories. However, if it's a matter of transitioning, knowing where he's going, knowing what's going to happen, yeah, oh, maybe it's pretty good. Either way, I know it sounds terrible, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy <laughs> that he hugs me in the morning, that he doesn't want to go. Now, just keep in mind, look. It's the exact same thing. I know people hear that and they go, oh man, he doesn't want to go into school. What's happening in the school? Nothing's happening in the school. Just like nothing's happening at home. That's what kind of makes this entire situation uh, so manageable. If it happened the other way around, it would probably be all messed up. Like if he cried going into the school before he cried when I got him, I would be worried. I'd be like, why doesn't he want to go to the school? But seeing him do it with me in the afternoon coming home, knowing there's no issues at the house, Let's me know that there's no issues in the school either. And it gives me an idea of what he's going through. So yeah, I don't know. Sometimes you like that. You know, we do that all the time. You know, if you have a, a kid and the kid's being, you know, moody with, with you, right? And then uh, then you see them being moody with like, you know, their mother or their other parents. It makes you feel good a little bit, right? You don't want your kid to be moody. You don't want them to be sad. But you're just kind of like, all right, good. It's not, it's not me. You know, that was always my concern. I tell the teacher that. I was like, yeah, I'm like, it's good. I'm going to drop him off in the morning. He hugs me. I'm like, I was worried. I thought you guys, you know, you guys know I'm not molesting him now. She's like, we don't think you molest. I'm like, well, I don't know. He freaks out when he sees me. I, it bothers me. It's that paranoia in my head. I'm like, everybody think I beat this kid up when we leave? I'll say that to him in the car. We'll get in the car and I'll be like, dude, they're going to think I beat you up. Can you stop? And he's like smiling and kissing me. I'm like, all right, let's just go home. So yeah, transitions. It's the freaking transitions. That's what it is. So. Yeah, we'll work on that now. But it's a good feeling. It was a good moment. And uh, even for his uh, sadness and not wanting to go into school as his dad, I don't know. At least I know uh, it's nothing that I did. So there you go. And that does it for me, guys. We're done this week. 
For High Pod, I'm Dad. I'll be back next Friday. Brand new edition of the podcast. Join me every single Friday here. We'll talk about you know heart health, mental health, you know autism, special needs, anything you name it. We'll talk it. Uh, let your friends know all about it. Until next time, this is James Gutman saying, "Be well." Bye, Pod. <laughs>